0: and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish-Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show.
1: Hey, all you gearheads and gas holes. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with our engineer and co-host, Mr. Mark Groves, and the evil genius of Craving Cars on YouTube, Mr. Corey Pratt. Yep. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in beautiful, it was beautiful today. Yep, it finally got around to being beautiful. Beautiful Overland Park, Kansas, my God. The sun came out today. It was
0: weird. I walked outside and
1: I started throwing rocks at it.
0: (laughs) How'd that go? It felt awesome. I, I, hope, I hope the Corvette wasn't underneath those uh, Take that, son. Arm,
1: arm's a little loser now. <laughs> you can find us online at drivenradioshow.com and read the com. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And listen, everywhere fine podcasts are heard. We used to have a list. I don't read it anymore. <laughs> if you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to tell your gearhead friends. If there's something you would like to hear more of, or someone you think we should interview, something we should talk about, something we ought to go do, tell us. Drop me a line at Brett at Reed the Driven or pardon me, Brett at com or Brett at Driven dot com. Gentlemen, do anything fun this week?
2: You know, I actually did. Um uh, Sunday I went out to our friends at the fuel house. Cool. Oh, you made that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went went out there and um Besides it actually just being a pretty good show, I mean lots of different types of cars from old to new to all types of a uh, good show. over the good seas and both sides. Yeah, actually wasn't that bad considering it was you know chance of that rain happening every, throughout yeah. the whole day and it was kind of sprinkled here and there. Some really nice rides show up. Uh, shall I a video. We'll have something like that. Uh, some uh, content on that coming out on Crave of Cars on YouTube. And a friend of mine brought his brand new car. <gasps> what did he bring? Okay, he just got a well brand new to him 2017. Audi R eight. Oh, cool, cool. Okay. It's all you know, fun, right? Naturally created V ten. Except his isn't. It's a twin turbocharged V ten. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my With like a thousand horsepower. Oh boy. And it's I a said loud-y. I guess we're going for Yeah, there you go. Like, I guess yes, we're going for be. a ride. He goes, Come on. I don't think I've ever felt that nauseous in a car in my life. <laughs> there was so much force throwing you back in that seat because I had the camera going, I was paying I was looking down at the camera. Oh, dude, yeah. Bad Bad. I mean, you've but done it on a regular car, it's like, eh, you, you kind of feel lightheaded. The... I got out and had to pull myself together a little gonna bit. It's going
1: to do like, the Technicolor ooh. yawn on the floor, mat. <laughs>
2: <Ooh.
3: laughs>
2: wow, that thing
1: had some pickup. Holy crud. Not to take away from your friend's car, because that's amazing. Yeah, that yeah, no, was, and, it was and good. And I yep. want to ride in that, too. One of the things we do not mention enough about the Fuel House is just... How stinking nice that facility is. Keeps getting better every month. That place is gorgeous and they have a very nicely stocked and appointed bar. Uh the bar area is beautiful, but the yes. floors in there are fantastic and the photo area they've got with that tile that's in there that just looks like a mirror. And that is a really cool place if you haven't been there get yourself over to bonner springs and go check out the fuel house
2: you know a couple new things i don't know that you know that are no. Or not. no no I mean no. besides
1: the fact that they have their own coffee house oh yeah they
2: have a gym so if you got if you're a member there you don't have to store a car there you can become a member and just show up and have fun they have a they have a full gym there uh you can get details uh or your car's detailed get really good discounts when you're a member cool uh and they have a cigar lounge now <gasps> a
1: members only I think you had me at cigar. There you go. That was, that's the newest
2: addition that I've. Seen. And you know what? There's there's much more coming. There's even a barbecue place uh, there and stuff now. Oh
0: my God! So these, these guys know what they're they doing. They did barbecue so, and a jam. So when are we? Uh, when are we doing the, the the podcast there? I know, right? <laughs> I, I'm wondering why we're still sitting. Yeah, here. why are we? Let's roll. <laughs> yeah, we'll check be out back in 30. <laughs> the Fuel House and
2: actually was it the thefuelhouse.com really or on Facebook? That it is an at incredible facility and they have
1: so much cool stuff going on yep. there uh definitely get yourself over to the fuel house hit an event there if you can man well worth the trip yep mr mark
0: well i got new tires on my trailer uh they had tires i don't have tires <laughs> on my bike yet
1: <laughs> I, I think it's impressive you got tires for your trailer because nobody's got tires right
0: now. it was uh they got to it so fast it was a uh, croft trailer supply oh. on th- off of 35 yeah yep. right here in town yep. and right. uh yeah. and just super nice fellas not exactly jokesters no, but you know i I try to be <laughs> no. I try to be super friendly, and I got some of the blankest stares, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I need to just get to the point. No, that way. That. <laughs> those the,
1: those guys are go very businesslike. <laughs> oh, they do they a good are. job. They get it done. <laughs> And uh, they really don't need your input. I tell you, no, they don't. <laughs> Especially moron <laughs> like
0: me. I, I brought the wheels in. I'd taken them off the trailer, and uh, uh, they had them ready the same day. It's just, I this work is insane. So um, I wasn't able to go get them, but I I shot over there for lunchtime, and bam, had them. Bam. And so that evening, as part of my get away from my computer for a little while, I, uh, I, you know, put them on. I had got out my little, my little air ratchet, Ring, ring. You it just be felt getting all excited? You're, you're getting all your stuff
1: done. It's- yeah,
0: getting it ready. I just want my frickin' bike back.
1: (laughs) All right. It's been almost two weeks now. We we were talking about this, and again, you're not alone. No, I'm not. I know several guys who are looking for tires for motorcycles right now, and they say, nobody's got anything. Seriously? A buddy of mine said he was looking for a back tire for his Harley dresser, and he looked all over, and he finally found one just over the state line. That tire is usually $223.00. He said it was four hundred seventeen pounds. <gasps> oh, wow, four seventeen. Let's just For find an old Geo and strap that baby on. Med- I, and Well, and this it's is about a, the same width. This is a guy who used to run a car tire on the back of his other dresser, but the new bike yeah. is still under warranty, so he can't, oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah, he can't I switch gotcha. it over yet. He's really aggravated, and I don't blame him because that's a heck of a bike, and he had them do big mods on it, and oh, that thing oh, will well, walk yeah. away from my. Soft tail with ease. Well, nice. I hope you don't need tires, Brad. And I'm pretty sure that he's probably got a really nice, smooth stripe all the way around the middle of his tire, because <laughs> that bike will peel it off. Um, nice. Nice. And also, I I ordered uh, tires for the 65 from Coker, and they're they're gold lines, but they're radials. And I got to check out. They took my money and they said, "Oh, by the way, we got one." <laughs> those other three we'll send them when we send them.
0: your corvette unicycle, wow, yeah. I guess what back to buy plies it is well, and no 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 no
1: no no the sixty five still got those b f goodrich on it, and those'll last until i okay but uh, I, I after they said that I was thinking. Crap! I gotta get one for the spare too. So basically, I got the spare tire
0: waiting on the other floor. <laughs> oh, the other <laughs> oh, oh man, you the bias on the The side. only time you can go drifting without turning the wheel. Uh, <laughs> I hate those. I take you for riding it at sixty. You're gonna find out how right you are. Oh, Wandering Jane.
1: Let's go. Yeah. So uh, tires that nobody's got them, and again, this goes back to last year and all the COVID stuff. Wow. The mm-hmm. world took a year off, yeah it did, so all the manufacturing it's not just you know chip shortages for cars or parts shortages for cars. uh read a blurb this week that said g m was going to halt uh Corvette production this again because well, they got no parts, yeah, and uh it's tires, it's parts, you know, and then other industries <laughs> lumber. Uh, everything's really steep
0: right now because nobody's got anything. You, you know, know, I had to wonder. I was, uh, I, I bought some stuff at Micro Center. And uh, while I was there, I saw a little sign that said, you can only buy one video card per month. Uh, right really? Now. You can only buy one. And mm-hmm. I was looking at that and I'm like, I'm wondering, are, do we have some chip pirates going in and tearing them apart for parts and no but i got a bunch of sd cards upstairs in my in
1: my camera a, case hey corvette
0: let's make a deal yeah. hey Chevrolet, it's a good thing i, I got, got a need. 256 don't lowball me i know what i got <laughs> i got i got some plywood too i'll throw in <laughs> It's a good thing I only need a video card every other month. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: So I'm
2: good. I'm good. It's, it's weird.
1: Rhonda and I were joking. You know, our our fence in the backyard is pretty old. It's been out there for a long time, and it's it really shows its age. <laughs> yeah. And people are doing so much stuff with reclaimed wood. She oh. said, "You know, we could probably sell this junker for what we paid for it now." <laughs>
2: And just not have a fence. Wow, hey, man. you need some wood? Well, the
1: dog's blind. I'm not really worried about yeah. her running off anymore. Did so.
2: I tell you about the picture I saw? Speaking of speaking of lumber and all that stuff. Hmm. So the guy had a picture of a garage, right? And it had an old, like,
1: 60s Porsche. 911. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that, too. Dusty as heck. <laughs> I saw it too. And then he goes,
2: oh, my God. But, but there's, two sheets, there's two sheets the of four bay
1: wafer in there. Yeah. 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 he goes, and-
2: not one, but two sheets of plywood. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Don't lowball me, bro.
0: <laughs> I know what I got. <laughs> yeah.
1: See, oh, seen that a about? Seen, seen lots of lumber memes. Oh, and, uh, you, you oh know. Was it
0: lumber seeds? People <laughs> trying to sell a toothpicks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and nobody is happier than the, about this than my father, the lumberman. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. how he is just giddy. <laughs> Good nice. deal. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Love you, Pop. Oh, by the way, he did hear me razzing him last week about not bringing the car back clean. Uh-huh. He brought that up.
0: <laughs> I'll bet. He did.
1: And, I, and I, I, I had to quickly scramble and say, didn't you hear me say I love you, Dad?
0: You like, did you hear heard, that part? Love to razz you. You heard that part, right? Boy, let me talk about your youth. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm I'm bigger than he is, and I'm still scared of him. <laughs> I can see why. Fifty one years old, still scared of my daddy. You know what? That means he
2: did something right. Yeah, amen. And, uh,
1: <laughs> well, uh, I got the sixty five back from the shop. Got the brake fixed. Oh, Turns yeah, out yeah. that me yes. rocking the car back and forth in the garage trying to free up that brake uh, caliper, I broke the front spindle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, owie! things have <laughs> well, that was kind of an expensive screw-up.
0: <laughs> yeah, they always are. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Can you say overnight
0: parts? <laughs> overnight parts. But, but you got this stuff in. Yeah, and UPS
1: yep. is going to send me a Christmas card this year. <laughs>
0: Thanks for putting my but get through
1: college. Got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made someone's boat payment. Anyway, uh got it back together, got it back home, got to drive it in the sunshine a little oh, bit today. Finally got to go. get it to the car wash, get it cleaned up. It looks terrific. I'm very happy. There's still lots of little stuff that needs to be done, but that's oh, sure. the nature of owning old cars. And, uh, yeah, but I got it back and got to drive it. Jeez That's awesome. <sighs> I, it is That's and, awesome. and it
0: still sounds really good does oh, it no uh, i didn't even think to ask uh does it have a radio in it or anything like that well, Oh, it's got to...
1: am fm with an electric antenna i just don't think i'll ever hear it oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i hadn't <laughs> thought about <laughs> that <laughs> not if it's running i well, i turned i turned it on in the garage last week when the engine was off and it sounds pretty okay for something that has a single speaker yeah but
0: you need to get some 80s ZZ top on there because that all sounds like it's running on an 8-cylinder with a Uh a little rich on fuel. There you go. Uh, The second you start the engine up, ah, screw that radio. (laughs) I like this music better. I've got exhaust exhaust pipe radio.
1: Uh, This week in the news, gentlemen, Ford revealed the new Lightning F-150. Now, I I was really hoping when they said, we're bringing the Lightning back, I'm like, Oh, yeah, man, it's that supercharged 5-4 yeah. regular cab short. Yeah. What was that, 98? Was that when that was out? Um, they were making those the same time they made my pickup. In fact, my uh, my 03 Harley Edition F-150 is a crew cab version of a Lightning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe just, so, what, early 2000s? Yeah, I'm hoping,
0: oh, they're going to do the cool thing again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kind of. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, Jeremy Clarkson from uh, Top Gear and the Grand Tour. Apparently, last year he lost his mind. He's (laughs) got a farm and he's playing in the dirt. And uh, you can live out all your Fast and Furious fantasies because one of the really famous cars from that series is for sale. Nice. Uh, Our special guest this week is Aaron Shelby. He's the brand ambassador for Shelby and board member for Carroll Shelby Foundation. He's going to be here to talk about growing up in the Shelby family, finding out your grandfather is an icon, and uh, what has (laughs) happened since Ford v. Ferrari came out because that got everybody's interest peaked. So uh, we've got that coming up. I've met Aaron a couple times. He's a really nice guy.
0: Nice. Uh, Let's take a look at this week's news. From Road and Track, the 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning is the future of America's workhorse. Whoa! It's pretty interesting. It's an all-electric oh. 2022 F- F-150 Lightning mm-hmm. uh, newly mm-hmm. coming out of the newly renovated Rouge Assembly plant in Dearborn, Michigan. So Dearborn's back at it. Yay. Good to hear. Always. Mm-hmm. Two battery packs to choose from, up to 300 miles of range available, starting price under 40K. I'll bet you that really? starting price
1: under 40K wow. is a... What was the old commercial? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, like you didn't know the steering wheel was an option.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, floorboards? Something. What? Yeah. That's That's not the, seas- <laughs> that, that'll be the rubber interior. <laughs> and Flintstone, dick it, dee dick a take off.
2: <laughs> so th- th- that seems cheap just for our truck in general. It is. Uh, lately.
0: Yeah. yeah oh, it especially, really is. This right. one looks pretty darn nice. Uh I was looking at a picture of it on Motor Trend also. Uh F one fifty Lightning's design far from revolutionary. They're keeping it pretty basic, but it you know, it's got smooth lines. Uh the front end has kind of a uh, cool looking little platinum nose thing that goes around. I do mm-hmm. kind of like that. Unlike you know Chevy, they came out with a double decker oh, wh- Wackadoo yeah, front yeah. end that was <laughs> she- you, you got even more wackadoo. Chevy on top of my Chevy. Yeah,
1: Chevy's grill looks like a Dagwood sandwich. It does. It does. And this
0: one, this one looks pretty sweet. Nice lines. Cheeseburger. Uh, light bars are on the lariat and platinum trims that span the entire width. Uh, The bumper hood, side skirts, rear fascia have been revised for a little more futuristic. Look, Uh, read that. Less uh, lumps and bumps. It's not as curvy. There you go. There you go. It's smooth. Supercrew four door cab is even shared with the current F one hundred and fifty. Ford says many of the accessories found on the normal truck can be used here too. Now you look on the inside and it's really kind of interesting. I'm not a big fan of is uh, blocky. It's just kind of chunky and and there's a whole lot of buttons right there on the steering uh, wheel, which makes it kind of thick. And then they've got that big freaking screen right in the middle, right in the center. Whoever sits there is going to be it's going to be a scary ride. Dude, I'm playing Galaga. Yeah, I know! You you can watch Netflix, Netflix and drive. Uh, it's it's ugly as hell, but, uh, you know, uh, welcome to the future. It's Huge ugly as a dude yeah. like me. Yeah. Uh, buyer's choice of two liquid cold lithium lithium-ion battery packs, standard size, or an extended range pack. Either choice power is sent to all four wheels at all times via two inboard Three-phased fixed-magnet AC electric motors. You can't even do
3: donuts in it.
0: (laughs) You got one in the front and another in the rear. I can't do donuts. That's awesome. Uh, There's also independent suspension, all four corners. You'll find metal skid plates to protect the battery pack, aluminum control arms, out back to keep the weight down. And uh, interestingly enough, from Motor Trend, uh, 0 to 60, 4.4. Not half freaking wow, bad, man. It uh, comes in a uh, uh, the, two horsepowers if you get the the regular battery, four twenty six. That's right. If wrong, you get the ex- GTO fast, that's fast. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Not it, bad. it'll put you in that uh, extended cab back seat I'll bet. for sure. And then the uh, if you get the extended battery, the bigger one, it's five hundred sixty three horsepower. Wow, that is nothing to sneeze at. For a pick up truck. How so much it weighs? I'm real inch you know, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, no I'm looking. I bet it's lighter than that new Hummer. <laughs> oh, oh, what I mean. the hell <laughs> Base work truck was around the 40K, yeah. Uh, you get up to the XLT, it's 54.6. The oh, Platinum, yeah. 90. <laughs> that's
1: not that much higher Damn. than the gas version wow. of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah, bless their pee picking hearts. Good lord, it's everything is just steep, man. Yeah, it's because it's they can. You know, and it'll I bet dollars to donuts. It's gonna come down as they, they really get the tech going and maybe we actually eventually, start building stuff at will. Yeah. Eventually it will. Yeah. So uh I'm still driving my Harley edition. <laughs> <laughs> you damn with right. I uh, start my truck up, it goes vroom vroom. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson has a TV show about farming now. (laughs) Road and Track. Oh, my good Lord. What? (laughs) Uh, From Road and Track, the Grand Tour host, Jeremy Clarkson, made his name driving fast and shouting random nonsense, but he has other hobbies, and one of them is farming, and Amazon Prime has created a TV show about it. This is Clarkson's Farm, a show about Jeremy Clarkson owning a farm. It's exactly what the title says it'll be. As you might suspect, Clarkson handles farming with the same aplomb with which he approaches most of the Grand Tour challenges, (laughs) which is to say none. (laughs) The appeal is that Clarkson is not qualified to run a farm. In the trailer alone, he struggles to hold down a sheep, struggles to understand the approval process for fresh leg eggs, and he struggles to drive a tractor. Sounds like sounds his struggles.
2: Like,
0: sounds like he's struggling, yeah. <laughs> he
1: also encounters some larger issues. Clarkson has also seen flooding on his lands, the impact of Brexit on managing the business of a farm, and the severe risk COVID-19 has posed throughout the pandemic. The trailer also shows Clarkson having confused interactions with qualified agricultural <laughs> professionals. Oh, I'm
0: sure that <laughs> goes well. <laughs> How do I make this tractor go faster? I've seen yeah. monkey crap <laughs> fights at the far, oh, yeah.
1: at the zoo more organized <laughs> than this. Effectively, it's an extended take on the sort of learn-as-they-go features that have filled so many seasons of Grand Tour and Top Gear. Instead of learning how to operate a truck, Jeremy Clarkson is now learning how to operate an entire farmstead. Whether or not that can fill an entire season of television remains to be seen. But one thing is certain, Jeremy Clarkson has a farm now, and he sure is trying to farm on it. I'd watch wow. I'd watch him learn how to do about anything because he, he you know, he writes really well. He's a great auto journalist. Uh-huh. And he doesn't do much else well. And I <laughs> I can certainly relate to that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm down to that skill set. <laughs> uh, Not up.
1: Uh, uh, that feels real,
2: real familiar. All right, another one from Road and Track. Road nice, and popular track. place today. All right,
1: Road and Track had good news again this week.
2: Yes, they did. Uh, the Supra that starred in the first two Fast and Furious movies is headed to auction. Uh, much of the fourth generation Toyota Supra popularity can be traced back to its starring role in the original Fast and Furious movie, where it was driven by the late Paul Walker. The Supra, the Supra, that. Uh, Starred in the first two Fast and Furious movies is set to be auctioned by Barrett Jackson this June, so movie fans, this is your chance to own a piece of Fast and Furious history. I'm
1: guessing you're going to have to bring some pretty deep pockets. I have a feeling. I have a
2: feeling. Uh, a little bit about the car: if uh, you're not completely aware, the the Supra is an original twin-turbo model, so they didn't like doctor that up in the movie, so that was cool. Uh, it was driven by Paul Walker on screen throughout 2001's Fast and Furious movie. Um, and it was modified for 2003's Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, they so, took it. New paint job, right?
1: Repainted it, out it another movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the car was restored, though, to its prior state with some Lamborghini-sourced paint. How about that, huh? Nuclear Gladiator decals. Uh, Daz Motorsports Racing Wheels, TRD hood, aluminum rear wing. The car looks to be in great condition. It is unmodified factory twin-turbo 2JZ GTE. Uh, and a stock four-speed automatic transmission. Four-speed li-
0: automatic. Yeah, yeah. Didn't I That's listen right. to 2JZE when I was driving over? Yep. Okay. Sure. Sure did. On a Power 93. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, the car will be
2: offered uh, without uh, reserve during the Barrett-Jackson June uh, wow. 17th and 19th event in Las Vegas.
1: I it, so, yeah. Maybe I'm old. Maybe I don't have an artistic Maybe eye. Maybe <laughs> I don't understand it. I looked at that decal down the side of that car for about 15 minutes a day trying to figure out what
0: the hell it was.
2: That's okay. Um, I think I watched the entire movie, and I was you know a little younger, not knowing ever what it was until like many, many times
1: over. I've watched of that one more than once. I haven't watched another one of those until they released the – 10 minute teaser of the eighth movie and he was Dom was driving a red sixty one Impala. Red sixty one
0: impala. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah had to see that one, right?
0: You yeah. know, I actually uh, as stupid as they are, I really do enjoy those movies. Uh you know, it's all about brotherhood and family and ring. ring and it just you That's know, awful. a few of them got a little little redick, a little redunk, yeah, especially yeah. like the uh, uh in Cuba when they had the uh the boat motor. That they put into the oh, car, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was uh that was delightful, and it was on fire while he was driving. That was terrific. But this vehicle, i I looked it up, uh, is beautiful. I mean, that rear wing is about as big as the car itself. But uh, you can iron wow. stuff on it. Yeah, that yeah. was that, that was <laughs> another one not those wrong.
2: popular things were because they did did all that to those cars, and originally they weren't going to make it that flamboyant originally. Uh, but when they did that, uh, then next thing you know, everybody wanted side skirts and giant wings and yeah. You know, it's like, I guess, uh, watch out Formula One cars because you are about to get your stuff robbed. <laughs> Did that one make it into Tokyo Drift?
0: Because that was actually kind of the first one of those I ever watched before. I was like, that was actually fun.
2: Tokyo Drift? Well, I mean, no, that car wasn't in it. That's oh, you're asking. No, sadness. sorry. So I guess you're not going to bid for it then since it wasn't no, in Tokyo Drift? No, screw that. No, yeah. no, because,
0: yeah. you know, I'm the kind of guy that drifts. <laughs> to sleep the I, really cool. in front of the tv you know, dr- drifting out the side yeah. of the bed guilty uh,
1: i would be willing to bet that in addition to m- helping popularize the super twin turbos that they also did a lot for bringing back mopar muscle because that seems to be pretty heavily featured in those movies too. yeah yeah
0: that's possible. You know, I mean, you, you had well, think about that car sponsors from both sides of Well, think about that car was popular with a, in orange with a Confederate flag on the top for a long time, uh, that model, and then just kind of disappeared for a while. And then yeah. when it hit this, oh, damn. It is kind of hard to see the, the one picture that they took. Uh, somebody took a snap behind the scenes and showed the hood up. Along with you know the blower motor and all that stuff sticking up with the hood, and <laughs> yeah. i don't like, you son of a bitch! Uh, but I want to see that you. one now. <laughs> that's like looking at a stripper who just said she loved you. What no, the hell? That's, but uh, uh,
1: uh, it's be- still uh, beautiful. That's like seeing the lights come on in your favorite bar after closing time. <laughs> oh, it ain't right. oh no, that's that's not what we wanted.
2: Well, cool. Hey, yeah. So there you
1: go. Coming up in just a minute, we've got Aaron Shelby, who is the brand and ambassador for Shelby. He's also on the board of directors for the Carol Shelby Foundation. He's gonna talk to us about growing up in that family and some of the cool stuff he's gotten to do. And uh, I met him at Barrett Jackson in Arizona uh in March. And he's just a sweetheart of a guy. He really is a super nice guy tough to believe that you could grow up in that family with that name and still remain humble but he really has and he's done some cool stuff so we're going to be speaking to him here in a minute on driven radio Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. Aaron Shelby was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, and graduated from Santa Clara University in 1994 with a Bachelor of Science in Finance. In 2016, Aaron was named to the board of Carroll Shelby International, under under which the Shelby entities operate. He is the brand ambassador for Shelby, helps maintain the relationship with Ford Motor Company for Shelby, and he's currently on the Carol Shelby Foundation Board of Directors. And oh, by the way, he's Carol Shelby's grandson. <laughs> As if that isn't
0: <laughs> cool oh, yeah. enough. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah that. Yeah. A, Aaron, thank you tiffy. for
1: joining us here on Driven Radio.
4: Oh, I'm happy to be here. Really excited to be joining y'all.
1: Tell us about growing up in that family. What was the what was your grandfather like? What were your memories of him? Well, so I was born in
4: 1971, so the the glory of the 60s was over at that point in time, and he was off in Africa doing his thing and traveling around, starting some other businesses. Um, You know, he wasn't really engaged in the car world my first 10 years of life, for the most part, and so I didn't really know him other than he was my dad's business partner. My dad started a company called Carroll Shelby Wheels, and we lived in Los Angeles at the time, and they manufactured aluminum wheels, one of the first to do that in uh, Southern California, really in the US. And so, you know, obviously putting Carol's name on that helped from a marketing perspective and that was kind of dad's dream to go get that business started. So that's how I knew him. Um, Really wasn't a whole lot of car interactions with him. There wasn't a whole lot of conversations about that. Every time we saw him, it was, you know, he lived in a a, a condo building in Marina Del Rey and they had a pool there so we'd go swim in the pool and he'd show up at our house for dinner and bring a bag full of candy and ice cream for my brother and I. (laughs) You know, just kind of typical grandfather stuff at that point. And then um, when we moved back to Dallas, just shortly before we moved back to Dallas, you know, he had joined Chrysler about 1981, 82. And then he was on the front of all the car magazines again. So that was uh, that really kind of brought me forward to how that was going to how his history came about and where he came from. and, And I learned a little bit more about him then but through the 80s again we really just spent a lot of time with him we'd moved back to dallas and he had a farm in east texas where he was from and we spent a lot of time with him out on the farm uh he loved talking about his miniature horses and his cattle he was raising and he was that was his ancestral home and so he just felt comfortable there and he was away from the car world out there so that was really a lot of the interactions that we had if you really quizzed him on car stuff you would ask you would answer but he really didn't talk about a whole lot around us
1: really that's that's really interesting um so, at what point did you realize, oh, that's Grandpa who did all this stuff back in the fifties and sixties? Did you, did your dad sit you down, or did you read us? How did you come to know?
4: Well, Dad had talked about it a little bit, and it was, um, you know, probably still hard to resonate with a you know eight, ten, twelve year old. And then it was really again the joining Chrysler being on the front of car and driver and road Track and all the car (laughs) magazines that were out there auto week you know auto week had a great picture of him dressed up in kind of a safari outfit talking about can he can he go save chrysler or something like that so it was really that's what got me intrigued about it and each of those articles always started off with his history of working with ford and the mustangs and the cobras in the 60s and where all that transpired i really didn't get that familiar even with his racing career from the 50s until probably a little later than that again he just he just never talked about it that much um but i did get intrigued with the cobras and you know about that time you know hot wheels was starting to do shelby cobra cars and shelby mustangs and so that really deepened my um know in my interest and in what i wanted to go find out so that was really it it wasn't anything that was just some big revelation but you see your grandfather on the front of a bunch of magazines that
1: looked for the grocery store, and That that gets
0: your mind turning a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah my grandfather never turned up on magazines. No, mine was on the post
0: office wall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good picture, though. Side views and everything. Kind of handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Look mm-hmm. up in stripes.
1: <laughs> so uh, eventually, uh, the Viper comes out, and uh, you're – grandfather was involved in that and you sent a great picture of you sitting next to your grandfather in the pace car in the viper pace car at indy what was that like was
4: that is one of my favorite memories i tell you when he um he had driven a chrysler lebaron as a pace car in 1987 and you know he spent the decade of the 80s with chrysler and so he did a lot of promotion stuff with them after that 87 race he would showed back up in dallas at some point in time and he presented me a helmet that all the drivers had signed for him. So oh, I've still got that oh, on display oh, 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 in my, uh, in my wow. house.
0: How really cool. Man. You know,
4: Al Unser's right across the front of it. And you know, it's, oh, it's got all the drivers on there. So really very cool. And so when I heard that he was, and this was, keep in mind, 1991 Indy, that was less than a year after his heart transplant. So we didn't know, you know, up to a year, to a year and a half prior to that if he was going to be alive or not alive. Uh, Cause he had had that bad heart for so long. And, finally got his heart transplant. So when Chrysler said he was going to be the pace car driver, there was no way I wanted to miss that. You know, One, I'd never been to Indy before, and I'd always wanted to go to Indy. And then two, with him being the, the driver, so I called him up. I was at school in Northern California, and uh, Memorial Weekend, obviously, and uh, we had a school schedule that lasted into kind of mid to late June. So I called him. I said, hey, if I can get myself out to Indy, can you get me passes, and can I stay with you? And he's like, sure, no problem. You know, he was he was fine with all that. So I got myself situated with a plane ticket and flew out there on Friday. And, um, you know, he had somebody pick me up. I met him back at his apartment he had. And then Saturday we showed up at the track for what's media day and kind of the, you know, the, the cars aren't on track there. So they just do a bunch of different media stuff. And so Carol was there. Chrysler had a big setup. So he was taking the media around in the Viper. Uh, Norman Schwarzkopf was the guest marshal that year. <laughs> So as you can remember, the uh, Iraq war was oh, going yeah. on and getting wrapped up. So they, they brought him and his whole family in to be the grand marshal. So it was really a neat event. <clears throat> and I was, I really wanted to go for a ride in the car. But all the kind of keepers were like, no, 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 we're stacked with media. We got too many media here. He's got to give everybody a hot lap in the car. And it had rained the night before. So the track was, it wasn't super wet, but it was damp and to wet. And so we're all milling around there. And at some point, somebody was too slow getting the car. He's like, Aaron, jump in. I'm taking you. So I jumped in the car as fast as I could. And away we went. And it was interesting because you know, we got up to probably 160, 165 on the back stretch. And he, you know, to him, that's nothing. He said, he's looking at me, talking at me. He's not paying attention to the corners coming up. He's just doing it like it's. Like he's on autopilot, like he did back in the 50s. So it was a it was a great great deal for me. I really it's one of my favorite memories of being with him. I'm so fortunate that a couple people snapped some photos and somebody sent me that one. I don't I wish I had some copies of it or some other ones, but that's the only one that I got from me sitting in the car with him. And so really a, a special time. And then the the race was fantastic. I mean the whole weekend was just magical for me. We're riding somewhere on a golf cart, and all of a sudden, A.J. Foyt jumps on the back, and I'm like, well, how do you know A.J. Foyt? Recognizing at <laughs> the time that he had driven in one for Carroll at Le Mans in 67. So yeah. <laughs> it was uh, just kind of a, a snowball effect, and he obviously knew all the media folks. We sat in uh, Bob Peterson's suite over at Turn 2 for a long time, and it was it was just a great time, a lot of fun.
1: You get through wow. that weekend, and you think, I have the coolest grandfather ever. Nobody <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I found out I had a I had
1: a gold badge. That gold badge got me anywhere
4: I wanted to go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we feel sorry for you. Yes, we. Uh, I I have been the uh, the beneficiary of that on a number of occasions. Fortunately,
1: that is exceptional, and uh, what a cool story! Did your grandfather's love run through the of cars and racing run through the entire family?
4: You know, I, my dad, for sure. Uh, my dad and his brother are about a year apart in age. My dad's the youngest of the three kids. And so, dad actually was in Lamont in 1959. He was about 12, 11, and 12 uh, when Carol won as a driver. And so, dad always, he and his brother collected all the magazines from back then with talk about Carol and newspaper articles and stuff, talked about his racing career and then into the 60s. And uh, both of them were actually at Le Mans 63. I believe it was as well when when AJ won so dad always had a passion for it and I think he really wanted to go race cars but Carol basically said you can do it when you can afford to do it so I'm not Uh helping you and so um you know dad started that business as I mentioned in about 1979 I was eight years old um dad bought a formula ford and we were still living in LA at the time and so Uh, His number was 86, which I was eight, and my brother was six at the time. (laughs) So the first race I went to to watch Dad race, I just fell in love. It wasn't obviously a Shelby car, per se, but it was uh, just racing in general. I just thought it was the best best thing ever. So any race he had, primarily in the L.A. area, you had Willow Springs and Riverside, and uh, Holtville was a little airport track down by San Diego and Carlsbad, and uh, a bunch of tracks down there, and he'd go to Laguna Seca and Sears Point, and so was whenever I could go, I went, you know, he was up at three or four in the morning to go drive to the track. I was up He didn't have to ask awesome. me twice. So I, I really appreciated that. And then he did always like cars. You know, he had a little, little Porsche for a little while. He got a Ferrari at one point in time. Oh, that he had did to buy his own. grandfather. <laughs> I don't know if Carol actually ever knew that he had a Ferrari. <laughs> he kind of it, <clears throat> it was a 328. So it was a, you know, the Magnum PI kind of yeah, car. Yeah, so sure. It was a lot of fun. Um, but he did buy actually a, an original 289 back in the early 80s when he, if he will tell you, he couldn't afford it, but it came up and he's like, when else am I going to be able to buy one of these? It was about $30,000 back yeah. then. But um, so that was kind of there. And it, he kept that in a warehouse forever. We've got it here in Dallas now, but um, he has definitely had the passion for it. My uncle, on the other hand, I think he has vast appreciation for the history and, and loves all that. He's a Really smart guy, but he never got into the car side himself. You know, he's got a couple cars in his collection, but he never went to the racetrack. He never uh, kind of took it to the extremes that Dad did. So that's that's how I really got my bug was watching Dad first. You know, and then Carol joined Chrysler a few years later and started to learn more about that. So I I loved it. I still remember going to Riverside one time, first place I ever saw a BMW M1, and that is still one of my favorite cars. Oh yeah. I just remember a guy and they were doing they were just in the GT class, so just this production streetcar class. And this guy drove in through the through the tunnel at Riverside as M1 and slapped some numbers on the side of it and he was out on the track a little later. It was <laughs> it was red, it was it was gorgeous. That was probably the first car that I really thought, man, I want to get one of those one day.
1: That sounds cool. Uh so Sounds like there's been a, a lot of cool benefits to being part of that family and, and having that name. Is there any downside to having the Shelby name? You know, I have to say I haven't found it yet. And What I,
4: what I really enjoy about what I do, I kind of live in two worlds. I have Aaron Shelby, the banker and the family man, and I'm just a regular guy. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's great. Uh, If I go to Barrett-Jackson or I go to Mecham or I go to a racetrack where there's a Shelby event, all of a sudden I'm Aaron Shelby Carroll, Shelby's grandson. I'm I'm in this special world, in my opinion, where it's great because that's all enthusiasts. You know, all those enthusiasts are fantastic and it's fun to hear their stories. One of the things I really appreciate about what I do is listening to people's stories about when they met Carroll. You know, maybe they met him in 1977 at some event or maybe they met him in 1990 in Europe somewhere or wherever it is. I love to hear those stories because he was a friend to everybody. And if anybody had met him, that's the one thing I hear repetitively was you might've met him once, but the second time you met him, he made him feel like you're his best friend. And he just had this uncanny knack to to really connect with people. And he, again, it wasn't always about the cars. He was, he had a voracious appetite for reading about all kinds of history. And like I said, spent a lot of time in Africa. He was in the army air corps in world war two. He loved planes. Yes. You know, it was any kind of thing that he could, really converse about it. There's somebody that could teach him something new.
1: He really enjoyed it. Nice. Very cool. Uh, because of your name, do people have an expectation of you or is it just getting to uh, talk to enthusiasts at at stuff like Bear Jackson or Meekum or,
4: you know, I don't think I've got a big expectation on my back, so to speak. I probably put a little more pressure on myself than, than others do. Uh, I want to see, the name and the legacy continue on and so i try and do the best i can to extenuate that you know i look at i I watched him a lot through the years and how he interacted with everybody and i really appreciated the genuineness that he brings and i try and do the same thing and my father's the same way so i don't think the apple far falls far from the tree in that regards so i really spend a lot of time trying to get to know people and i'm not near as good at the recall as he is i can remember faces pretty well and if i've met somebody at Lime Rock or at Bear Jackson. I can usually kind of pick that up, but I don't remember all the details all the time. But that's one thing I spend a lot of time on because that's really what I see extenuating this legacy out longer. They've got a passion for the cars and what the Shelby brand means. But at the end of the day, it's a lot about people. And you guys know that. You're talking to people all the time. It's really the passion that the people bring. And that's what's going to continue this legacy on for a long time. And that's something that I don't think he a lot of time looking at through his life until probably the last 15 years or so. And then I think when he joined back with Ford, that really kind of, it brought him kind of full circle in one way, but it also made him look back a lot more on the successes that they had previously and that people really did appreciate that. And people wanted to hear the stories from the 60s and the 50s of what was going on. So, yeah, you know, I'm fortunate in my, in my position. Again, I don't think there's an expectation on me. I think there are certainly some people like me to be doing a little bit more and I do as much as I can. Um, But it's, it's a, it's an honor for me to be able to help carry that legacy on.
1: What does it mean to be a brand ambassador? And I'm, I'm guessing you get to do some really cool stuff. What's the coolest thing you get to do?
4: (laughs) Well, I tell you, I have done a lot of cool stuff in the last six years. Um, I'll tell you one of the my favorite stories, we went to Le Mans in 2016 when Ford went back with the Ford GT. And I took my boys over there and my wife went with me and we had a had a great time. And well, one of the special things is the GT as a production car wasn't out yet, but Ford had brought over a, a prototype or two and they were going to do a parade lap with GTs. And then a lot of GT owners, 05, 06 GT owners, flew their cars over there and did a tour and they all met up at the track. And so we got to do a parade lap behind the first, second, third place, 66 finishing cars that they had flown over there, the new Ford GT prototype. And then it was Edsel and I driving somebody's GT. And Edsel's (laughs) driving, I was in the passenger seat. And we had, you know, and I've gotten to know Edsel and his son Henry really well over the last six or seven years. And they were very close with Carol, which is, uh, it's fun to carry that on. But, you know, we, Edsel and I had 45 minutes just sitting in the car, kind of waiting in line for it to go. And then he's like, all right, let's go have some fun with this. And he owns a Ford GT. This was a gentleman that actually let us borrow his, which was really nice. But we did the parade lap. You know, it's an eight mile track, so it's not a short lap that you're no, doing out there. No, no, it's not. I think he got us up to about uh, 140 miles an hour on the back straight. He was having a blast, and I was. He's like, <laughs> just take as many pictures as you can. So I was, I had my camera, <laughs> and I was just taking as many pictures and little videos as I could. So, cool. you know, we could each have that to remember later on. But that is probably one of the coolest things I've been able to do. Wow. Um, I will tell you too what I also enjoy. Part of my role is I go up to Dearborn probably once a quarter uh, with Gary Patterson, who's the president of Shelby American. And he and I meet with the Ford engineering teams to talk about different projects. And then we meet with the marketing group and we talk about what events are coming up. And so we've really built a good rapport with the Ford folks up there. And it's a lot of fun for me. There's definitely been more than once where we've been able to go sneak behind the curtain to look at something that's coming down the road two or three or four years later. And I think that's really something special that I get to see in this job. It's always what you think about, you know, with all of us growing up with the car magazines and you see the blacked-out cars or the covered-up cars and yeah. the prototype stuff. You know, to be able to go pull the curtain back and look at some of that stuff, is
1: that's, that's been one of my joys, for sure. Uh, Mark's found one of those he wants to ask you about.
0: Yes? There's a, uh, a Shelby F-250? Yes, there is. I did yes, not know is. you guys got involved in a truck, and I, I hopped onto your website, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> can you fill me a little bit in on this turbo diesel?
4: Yes, I'd be happy to. So that kind of the genesis of that one particularly, so we've done a Raptor package, a Shelby Raptor package for the last several years. Yeah. And since there's not, you know, they're in the changeover, model changeover for the Raptors, they weren't going to have one for this year. And so we said, well, what can we do kind of as an interim? We picked the f 250 and we had done some diesel work on that car, on that truck about two years ago, and kind of did a Shelby package, but it was a little more street geared and power geared. It wasn't quite as off roady looking. Yeah, and it didn't, it didn't get a lot of reception. We sold a few of them, but not a lot. And so we said, well, let's take this and really make a beast out of it. So we call it the F2 Shelby F250 Super Baja. So we get a little, little more horsepower. You know, it's over a 1,000 pound feet of torque. We've got, you know, better <laughs> suspension on it. Um, you know, we do the Shelby roll cage and the Shelby bumpers on the, you know, light bars, all that stuff. It is, wow. it's a beast. That's and awesome. we're making 250 of them this year. We've actually sold just about all of them already. We don't even, I think we probably haven't produced more than about 30 of them so far. Oh,
0: I believe man. it. It's a great looking yeah. truck with uh, the big full four-door cab. And yet it looks like it could bounce across terrain like nobody's business. And Our it.
4: test driver, Gary's a test driver, and then uh, Vince LaViolette, who's our engineer, those two test drive everything, and they're, it's all done out of Las Vegas, and so they go out to the sand dunes and, in the desert out there, and they beat these things up, so they know firsthand <laughs> that these things work on the off-road experience, which 90% of the people that buy them will never go do that, but they're made for it. <laughs>
0: yeah, They're ready. So, but that,
4: yes. That, I tell you, though, that truck is huge. When you walk up to that thing, you think a Shelby Raptor or Shelby F-150 is big. You get up to that F two fifty. That is just an enormous truck.
0: It okay. really is it large. Is, yeah. uh, even yeah. just like the pictures, uh, there's nobody standing by them because I, I don't think anybody wants to be that dwarfed. <laughs> but oh, baby, that's huge. That's a big truck. Well, and it's,
4: yeah, it's interesting because we did our first truck probably back in 2015, and we did it a bit on the on a whim. As obviously trucks mm-hmm. are popular, and we continue to see Mustangs as popular, but the mm-hmm. the volumes go down year in and year out. And so we tried our hand at a Shelby truck, and we used the F-150, and we th- said, let's go ahead and do, we did 400 of them that first year, and they were all sold out within six months. Wow. And then the dealers came back and said, hey, what are you doing for next year? We want to pre-buy this time. So we did more volume, and then we kind of expanded the line a little bit. Uh, we've got about four to five options now that we do on, on Shelby truck versions. And out of Las Vegas, and what we do, we probably outsell Mustangs four to one, trucks to Mustangs now. Wow.
1: Oh. Did you do an F-150 Super Snake?
4: We did, yes. So it was really a lot of fun. We, um, you know, kind of hearkening back to the old Lightning truck mm-hmm. uh, that Ford had. So what we did, we actually had this. It was a recommendation from one of our bigger dealers uh, up in the Northwest. They wanted us to do a run of them. And we've got to, obviously, we can't just do like three or five or something like that. We've got to do enough mass to make it make sense from a cost perspective. And so mm-hmm. uh, we we did a run of 50 of them. And, you know, short bed, single cab, lowered truck, and, you know, supercharger, 750, I think, horsepower on that. It's just, it's a monster, and we sold them out immediately. It was was less than a month, and all 50 of them were gone.
1: Yeah, I was driving a 65 Corvette convertible through the Colorado Rockies a couple weeks ago and had one of those things walk by me. (laughs) <laughs> which was a little aggravating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, uh, I tell you,
4: those uh, that that technology today is just amazing in any automobile you get into, quite frankly. But for what we can do with Ford's base technology on, on the trucks and, and what we do with the suspensions and the blowers and things like that, it's just amazing what that does on, on vehicles today.
1: That thing, it, it walked by me and had no problem doing it. And I'm thinking... Damn, man! It's
0: that's a truck. that's a pickup truck. What the heck? <laughs>
1: and, and it it did not have any trouble getting around. It. Oh no! <laughs> uh, tell us what's happening at Shelby American and what what do you have in the works? What can we look forward to seeing?
4: Yeah, will. So we, uh, you know, Vince and Gary and the team back in Las Vegas are always tinkering with a bunch of different things. And we our what we found with our niche is is low volume type. You know, fifty units, one hundred units, two hundred units. So you keep some exclusivity to it, and that really gets the keep the enthusiasm going on it. So we've got our line of trucks that have done really well. Um, again, the F-250 was a bit of a whim, but it's taken off great. We've sold a ton of them, so we're excited about that. Uh, we'll definitely work on a on a package for the Raptor when the next one comes out as well, and we'll reintroduce that. Um, i tell you, part of the slowdown, is everybody's seeing the slowdown, is we don't have our 21 F-150 models out yet Those yeah. are the... You know the chip shortage and the foam seat shortage and all the all the things you've got supplier issue wise. It's all designed in the can, ready to go, and we're we're having some supply issues ourselves. So, it's it's a lot of fun to go. I go to Vegas probably three to four times a year and meet with them and and like I said, Gary and our at Ford together. so We talk quite a bit, but just to see what they do as a teammate team there and what they develop and how they kick forge products up another notch or two to put that Shelby name on it is a lot of fun and. And that's what we're doing with our Mustangs now too. We've got a line of Mustangs and we keep those numbers small and we keep them limited because of the uh, exclusivity that that provides. I don't know if you guys saw on the website or maybe took a look recently at our release, we did what we call a speedster version. And so we built basically a a canopy over the back two seats. So it looks like a two seat speedster basically as a convertible. And you can get that. We use the the Mustang GT as our base there. We basically super snake it for lack of a better term, but We put the Speedster package on it. We can do the wide-body package on it, which everybody loves the wide-body on the Mustang. You get that wide rear fender. And we're not just bolting something on. Vince, really, we take everything off. We cut the other ones off. We we mold these in and and form them just so it looks like it's OEM parked. So we spend a lot of time and effort on it. They're not inexpensive for doing that, but the quality's there. And and our uh, crowd that buys them really appreciates that.
1: It seems like the collector car world Uh, for the last few years, especially the last probably 16 months, has absolutely been on fire. And I'm wondering what you can tell us about enthusiasm for the Shelby brand.
4: Yeah, it's amazing to me. I think there was a lot of concern after 2012 when Carol passed away. How would this brand continue on, you know, with or without Ford and what was going to happen? And Carol had signed a long-term agreement with Ford, so it wasn't so much that That was going to go away but how do you keep the fire in the brand when your head image guy is not there any longer and i think ford did a good job of carrying that on for several years it's been an honor for me to come on gary patterson's been with shelby since the mid 90s so we have a lot of continuity of management and and engineering prowess there which i think has been good but to me, to go to the auctions, to go to the events, to see that enthusiasm, it's almost greater today than it is. And and part of that, I think, is uh, Carroll's resurgence with Ford. I mentioned that earlier in the interview. When he joined back with Ford in the early 2000s, and they didn't—they went worked for a few years before a car came out in 07, it really re-energized him, but it re-energized the performance brand at Ford as well. Having that Shelby moniker on the Ford vehicle's Uh, you know, it's nothing wrong with SVP and Ford performance because those guys do a great job in what they do and their, their engineering is fantastic, but putting that Shelby brand on there just takes it one step above that. And when you've got a a character like Carol, it's really helping out to go out and promote that, whether it's with the media or it's with the enthusiast crowd, it, it builds that base. So I've got a lot of people that I know today didn't know a lot about Shelby before 2007 or eight and they're diehard fans now. And it's great. Oh, cool. And so to, it's been a lot of fun to see that.
1: And to that end, what happened after Ford v. Ferrari came out?
4: I tell you, the best thing that happened there
1: is getting folks that are younger than me. I'm, I'll be 50 this
4: year. So getting folks younger than me to know what that story is, mm-hmm. because you've got a lot of folks that are teenagers, 20s, 30s. They like performance cars, but they don't know Shelby quite as well. Maybe they know what a Shelby Mustang is as a modern you know GT350 or 500 coming out of Ford, but they don't know the history. And they don't really know. Obviously, Carol's been gone now you know, nine years almost. Yeah. So they don't really know him as a, as a person. They just know this name Shelby. And what does that mean? That movie did more to re-energize the brand in a younger generation than we could ever have thought of. It's really been a lot of fun. I had actually an old college friend of mine just last night. She texted me. It's like my two boys are watching Ford versus Ferrari for like the 10th time. It's like <laughs> they can't get enough of it. And they're teenagers, so it's, it's really been a lot of fun, and we've got, uh, there's a millennial Mustang group that's become real popular, So, and they have older and newer Mustangs in that group, and they show up and do Very a lot cool. of events with Shelby groups around the country, and, and again, it's just, it's given them a story to tell, and it's given people that history to go tie that back to, and I think it's been a lot of fun when you can see that in, in a real-life perspective, even though the movie was somewhat Hollywoodized and all that, it, it got the story yeah. across that was really correct.
1: But it was entertaining. Oh, it was really entertaining,
4: and it's. um, And I get, I hear probably more about it than other movies, but the number of people that tell me they've seen it in the double-digit times, I was. It's just amazing to me.
1: I bought it the day it came out. I've watched. uh, Thank God it's on a digital copy. Copy, otherwise I would have worn it out by now. (laughs) All right, my favorite question out of every interview because it always gets the best answer. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car?
4: So I'm pretty conservative. I won't say I haven't done anything dumb. But uh, most recently, I, I, I had to ask my wife this question. I said, so what do you think? We've been married 23 years. What have you seen me do? And she actually goes back to about three months ago. We were in uh, Park City, Utah for skiing. And it was it was snowy, and it was a little icy on the roads. And there was a little windy switchback road that uh, led up to the house where we were staying at. And I was taking her down to the bottom of the mountain, and I, of course, was just playing with the car. We were I knew we were sliding around a little bit, so I was having some fun with it. Well, I took a little too far and slid the back end of it into the guardrail, and she <laughs> said, no more to that. <laughs> oh, it it, it, took, it got rail. tattooed a little bit on the guardrail there. I went back and looked later. Of course, you know, later that afternoon, everything had melted. It was fine, but I was like, oh, this is fine. We just got kind of to slide around. There's no traffic on the road, and, and I, I got a little ahead of myself on that one. Uh,
1: now I'm hoping you were driving a rental with walk-away insurance. It, it was a rental, and I did have walk-away insurance. <laughs> <laughs> well well done, after all. smartest thing he ever does, he's ever done in a car. Well, that works out great. Aaron, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and also, uh, thanks for hanging out at Barrett-Jackson. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. And I'm kind of curious, are we going to get to see you in Monterey?
4: Yes, I am planning on being in Monterey as we speak. We're trying to see if we can do a Team Shelby event up there as well. We've got a couple of things we're trying to plan, and I know they're doing a big Ford uh, celebration at Laguna Seca this year, is my understanding. So definitely, we'll be up
1: there. Fantastic! We'll try to get together there. Thanks so much for being on the show with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, wow, what a what a charmed life you seem to have had with this. This is just. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. That's really brilliant. Well, thank
4: you, Brett. I am a one lucky man. That's that's for sure. Uh, uh, I really enjoy it and really try and take every day in the best as I can. So, thank you,
1: Aaron Shelby. Everybody, uh, we've been speaking with Aaron Shelby about uh, the Shelby brand, being a brand ambassador for Shelby and a board member on the Carol Shelby Foundation. You can find all of the links for Aaron, for Shelby American, for Carol Shelby Foundation on readthedriven.com
0: and I wish my grandpa Absolutely. had been that cool <laughs> he did at well, least remember my birthday and always give me a two dollar bill on my birthday hey I had a great which yeah. was cool well, my grandparents like school, did that man. too
1: but can you imagine it's, the it's,
0: at, at at some point you have the realization
1: oh crap man that's my grandpa
0: yeah I know right it's like <laughs> looking
2: at this magazine just staring at it going what
0: the hell's grandpa Granddaddy? doing on
1: auto a week
2: <laughs> Grand, granddad are you
0: on the cover of this magazine? who's playing my grandpa in a movie what yeah, no kidding <laughs> isn't that jason board <laughs> uh, at
1: some point there's got to be that that realization of like oh oh well i always knew he, he did kind of neat stuff but that's grandpa carol yeah so grandpa C. Uh, and well yeah. and that and the stuff he get he's gotten to do and the stuff he continues to get to do yeah man that's very that's, cool that's incredible what stuff. a nice guy uh, and a super nice guy. He really was. Uh, I met him through our friend Seth Burgett uh, from Gateway Bronco. Yep. And he introduced me. It was Seth Burgett and Scott Black introduced me at Barrett Jackson. I was just hanging out, waiting to jack with Seth, and you know, give him some grief. And Scott walks me up and says, "Oh, hey, this is Aaron Shelby." And I turn around. First of all, he's really he's really tall. He's just yeah. like his grandfather. He's really tall, and I'm just kind of standing there going, "That Shelby," <laughs> 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 and he's just—he's just really nice and down to earth. He was a sweet guy. So, yeah, thanks again, Aaron. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do. We wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at. DrivenRadio readthedriven.com dot com, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt. Yep. And Mr. Mark Groves. Yo. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.